Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Daft Shooting Abuse Series. Today we're joined by none other than Robert Florence from Burnison. Robert, how you doing? Good. Are you a fan Good of the man, business growing up? Oh, I was a big fan of the business growing up. Uh, ever since I was a small boy, knee-high to uh, people that are taller than me, I was uh, always into the wrestling, watched the British wrestling with my old man. Uh, used to watch that with him. He was uh, a, you know, a big a big fan of watching the British wrestling. Uh, and then, of course, when the WWF boys came over, it was, uh, it was a big change, wasn't it? It was all change. When did you get into show business? When did I get into show business myself? Yes. Did you you went to school? Did you go to, to, to drama school, theatre? Oh, yeah, no, I didn't go to drama school, but I did go to, there was a wee drama group that met in, a, in Springburn. Uh, it was called Toonspeak. It's still there. It's still there, but it's under different, it's, like, it's went through a few kind of ownership changes. Any good uh, road stories for them? Near road stories for there, really. Um, you know, I went there and I was a very popular guy. My partner was always good, so um, it was somewhere I could go. And it was nice. It was a fresh start because, you know, it's like when you're at school, kind of, and then you're like, um, you're kind of, no, no, I was always kind of all right at school, like in terms of popularity-wise. Mm-hmm. But there was still the sense like, oh, there were some people who thought you were a wee, just like a wee dick or something. I mean, or just, or, or that you were quiet or whatever, you know what I mean? But once I came in at myself, it was good to go to a drama group like that where I was like quite confident. I could almost like a blank slate, could create my persona um, properly there and had a good time at that drama group. That was where I met, that was where I met Ian Connell, who, who did... Oh, well, uh, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. All right, sorry. I was going to ask you that. Um, so um, when, when did you first meet Ian Connell? <laughs> well, I went to, when I went to the drama group, Toonspeak, I was actually had a mate called Paul Doonan. He was a guy. Who was oh, school. I know who he is. Sir. He was my mate at school, right, Paul Dunn. Um, he great yeah. worker, great worker. And he, you know, I, I knew him, and he said, "I know this guy, Ian Connell. You should meet him. He's at this drama group. You should come. You should meet him. He's got the same, very similar sense of humour." Yeah, um, I went, Ian was a year older, um, so and he went to a different school, uh, and I went along there, and uh, and and I, and I did kind of meet him, but we didn't really connect massively at Toonspeak because he was a year older, like I said, and he was kind of like he was like touring and wee theatre plays and stuff like that, and we we didn't really completely connect there, but we um, but we did. We started to kind of get to know each other, you know what I mean, towards the end of that period. Was was there end of then that trained you, trained the two years, or was it basically make it up yourself? Oh, self trained, well self trained. Uh, I mean. Uh, nobody we knew was doing comedy writing, comedy sketches, anything like that. That was a that was a world unknown to to boys like us. You know what I mean? We you have to understand this is a a thing. It's you know, the people there. Me and you, Grado, right? We we can probably vouch for us, right? About how it's very difficult. And this is going to sound big heated, and I don't mean it in a big heated way, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's sometimes it's you have to remind yourself what it's like thinking about getting on the telly before you've been on the telly because it feels like a million miles away like when you sit in the house and you watch a telly and there was like comedians on the telly when i was a wee guy 
it felt like there's no way to go on the telly. There's no, you know what I mean? I didn't know anybody that had ever been on telly. Um, my big sister once had been on Tiger Tim's radio programme. She'd phoned in and made a phone call once, and that was like the biggest claim to fame kind of thing. Like, you know, she, my big sister had been on Radio Clyde talking to Tiger Tim once. Uh-huh. So it seemed like a million miles away. Aye, aye. And so then had you... We had to train ourselves, really, you know. Ourselves, right. ourselves, a bit self-taught, you know what I mean? So you never had, at this point, you never had any conversations with Vince at this point, now. Not at all, not at all. I, I, we were known his radar. Um, we, I mean, we were, if you, if you equate comedy to a kind of indie scene, we were backyarders, we were coming up, um, we were innovating. We, I mean, we were trying new stuff. At that time, uh, at that time, Ricky Fulton was a veteran, right? He was, he was a veteran and he was, he was the big, he was the big man. It was his territory. It was Ricky Fulton's territory when we were coming up. And uh, Ricky Fulton's, Ricky Fulton's work knee harm was going a bit stale. I thought, you know, I mean, Ricky Fulton's work was going a bit stale. He was going through the motions a wee bit. Everybody knew what Ricky Fulton was going to do. Uh, Reverend I am Jolly was going to do the, the, the flip at the corner post and all that right out. And, um, we knew he was going to do that stuff. And me and Connell kind of innovated. We kind of came in. We said, let's try some new stuff. Let's try and shake up the scene a wee bit. You know? So when did you ask for your release at Toonspeak? Um, how, how did you end up uh, writing for... Greg Hempel, or was 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 there, was there stuff before that? Um, it was merely an organic thing. Uh, right. Toonspeak, we kind of moved away from Toonspeak. Uh, Connell went to uni. Um, I went to uni as well. Uh, we both went away and started doing our different things. But then uh, Connell got back in touch. He says, "You want to start doing a wee bit of writing together again?" I was like, "I sure." I'd been writing away and and you know trying wee bits and pieces. But we got together, tried today. First thing we tried today, actually, me and Connell was. Uh, we tried to write this, um, it was like a crime f- serial drama thing, weirdly called Miller, it was called, and it was about a, um, it was about some crap, some fucking terrible thing, right? I can't remember. Uh, but we, we started doing that. And then around about that time, Ian was still dabbling and doing a wee bit of acting, right? He was like, you know, he, was a, he was tipped for big things as a young actor. Um, you know, he was he was here and there. Then he was, he was in a Greg's sausage roll advert. It was in an advert for a sausage roll, you know what I mean? Which is like, I mean, that's practically like being in a Marvel film was where we come from. And he, you know, he was doing that. And then he went for an audition at the BBC for a hang, right? It was just an open mm-hmm. audition. And he turned up to do it. And he went in and he performed a bit of material. Uh, but he didn't get the part because um, he was rotten. He didn't get the part, and but the guy said, "What was that? But material you performed there?" And he says, "Oh, that's a thing me and my mate wrote." Um, and he was like, "Excellent! You should send in more stuff, you and your mate." And that guy was called Neil Clark, and he was he was the guy who took us under his wing and brought us into brought us into the scene. And everybody needs that. I kind of feel like everybody needs that guy to bring them into the scene. You know what I mean? And Neil Clark was was our one. You know what I mean? That's amazing to hear that. So he basically. So you write stuff for so basically Ian gets Ian makes you. Well, aye. Well, I mean, really, if well, Ian... no, 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 let me, no, 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 that's that, that's that's unfair. Basically, sorry, so Ian goes for an audition. <clears throat> uh-huh. see that he puts you over, and then right. basically this is your entryway into to show business at this point. How do you if get? He had your... went for, if he hadn't went for that audition, then it's hard to, you know, we maybe wouldn't have known mm-hmm. that. That was You'd the, still be in Indies. That guy gone. We went. I don't want you. But what's that material? Where did that material come from? Oh, we know what that mean, my mate. So it was. Was it drama at first, or was it comedy? No, like, it was comedy. Was... That was a wee comedy bit. Right. That was a wee comedy bit we'd done. 
Um, right, okay. So then what happens? What happens after that? When Neil Clark gets us in, and the first thing... Um, the first Wait, thing, yeah, this take us back. Oh, mate, this was when we got our first... It was maybe like... It was maybe only about eight months after that, maybe six months after that, we got our first commission for the BBC. And when we got our commission for the BBC, I'm pretty sure I was 18 and Ian was 19 when we got our commission for the BBC, and it was for a, a half-hour pilot thing. Wow. So what year is this, do you think? You're 18, 19? Um, that would have been... Um, if I was like 18, it would have been 95. 95? Wow. 95. Wow, amazing. So this is before even the kind of Monday Night Wars kick off. Do you know what I mean? It was. This is, it was I mean, it's predating a lot of that stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So how, how, did, how did the boys in the locker room feel when you first started making stuff for the BBC, your first commission? What was the reaction? The I mean, be, obviously there's... There's always a lot of jealousy, mm-hmm. you know, and there's always that kind of expectation that you've got some kind of inside track. But we were green. I mean, we were so good. You go back and look at that, the work we were producing back then, we were, we were green as hell, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't over by any means. Uh, but we were feeling our way through it. Now, the next big step for us was we, we got a bit of work. This show started called Velvet Cabaret on Radio Scotland, right? It was called Velvet Cabaret, which starred um, at the time Gavin Mitchell, who went on to be Bobby and still game. That was how we met him. But uh, that show started and me and Ian Connell get invited onto the writing team for that, right? And so the next thing you knew, we found us in the locker room with a load of veteran comedy writers. I'm talking about guys like Ricky Brown, uh, you know, some of the, some, some like proper old, died in the wool, like kind of um, older comedy writers. And they were all there and they were thinking, who are these two young bucks in here trying to, you know what I mean? Try to steal our fucking heat in this company, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we came in, and I'll tell you what, we just outworked them. And I'm, I'm being completely serious here, because we'd go into a writer's room meeting, and Neil Clark would go, here's the stories we want some sketches about this week. Off you go, turn in some work. And there would be guys that would be turning in, maybe like at the end of the week, they'd have turned in five pages worth of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Me and Connell were turning in 20 pages a day. Wow. 20 pages a day. Did not that, that did that lead to any rib, ribs played on you guys at this point? No, there was no ribs. There was no ribs. Um, and I do, have, I do remember one story, though. There was a, a comedy writer that would be unnamed. We were young guys at the time, but I remember we were at one of the Velvet Cabaret radio recordings, and it was like it was the end of the series recording. And so it was a party. It was a kind of rap party. And one of the older comedy writers turned up, and he turned up, and he had two prostitutes with him. I heard about um, And we were... We were just young guys, and he comes swarming in. We are a woman on each arm, and and we were like, "Check him, man." We too, and we are so young and naive that we were like, "He's got two girlfriends." <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, like, he called the writers got two girlfriends. Um, and then I went up to him at the bar at one point, and I was like, "Oh, and, and who is it you're here with tonight?" And he was like, two, it was two prostitutes, can two <laughs> prostitutes?" Just said that. Well, like. Um, but anyway, we yeah, eventually he get he get trapped. You know what I mean? We, right. Okay. We we uh, walked we walked him right out of the business. That guy. Thoughts in the Chris Benoit uh, document the Chris Benoit tragedy. If you you want to comment on it, you don't need to. Well, it was a shock. Uh, it was a where, shock. Where, where were you when you found out? Where was I when I found out? Well, obviously the first thing I found out was that Chris Benoit was dead, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing. And it was a shock, and it was an outpouring of grief. It was like Benoit's. Oh my God, he killed. What happened? How did? What uh-huh. happened? And then you find out the details about it, you know what I mean? Um, and then and then it's dealing with that. 
it's dealing with how you how you look at the guy, you know. And I remember thinking to myself, how would I feel as well? Like, how would I feel if it was Ian Connell? If Ian Connell had um, killed himself and killed his whole family, mm-hmm. um, killed his killed his missus and killed his three boys and a murder suicide and killed himself, I'd be like, how would I feel about that? The fact that nobody would be able to watch uh, the Eleven sketch anymore because a murderer was in it. Um, nobody would be able to watch. Uh, up the road, nobody wants to see a, a guy that murdered his whole family going up the road, up the road. No, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you'd be thinking to yourself, "Fuck, a guy sent his own family up the road." Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be thinking about that. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I, so it was a very tough time. But I remember there was a, a good laugh connected to that as well. When I was, I was in bed one night. I wasn't in bed. I was putting my daughter to bed one night, right? And I was in reading her a bedtime story. And I was actually in the bed beside her, snuggled up, reading the bedtime story, right? This is, this, I'm going back a few years here now. Uh, and I got a text lit up my phone. And I looked at my text on my phone. It came while I'm hanging out, and I just burst out roaring and laughing You're beside my daughter. And it was a text for Grado. <laughs> what did the text say, Grado? This was just on a random, like, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. <laughs> it, the, and I hadn't, the, heard, I hadn't heard for him in ages. I, I, I hadn't heard... Um... <laughs> I hadn't heard for you in ages winter and, and I think the, the exact text that I sent you was uh what was it again? Hold on, I'm just hold on. the exact hold on, I just forget it right. Uh, <laughs> the exact message I said I sent you was the dogs are in the enclosed pool area and the back door is open. <laughs> uh and then <laughs> I followed up with um my physical address as Hislop Road Stevenson. <laughs> Uh, which made me and and it was the worst thing was like I couldn't even like it's one of the ones I couldn't even tell I couldn't even explain to people why it was so funny because they would have to get the reference and it was just the the bleakest reference in the world. Right? So you at this point so you you're, you're writing for programs for the BBC. I remember watching Velvet Soup. Were you ever did you ever write the the bum teeth sketch? I'd have this clear memory of that when I was young. Possibly no. I have got nay. Nah, I don't know. I've always wanted what, to what happened me? in the sketch. Basically. Um, some I think Gavin Mitchell plays a doctor in in the sketch, and this somebody comes in and uh, complains about something in their bum, and he says dead straight, "Oh, that'll be your bum teeth growing in. That'll be your, your bum teeth." <laughs> I don't know. Possibly I have. I have she's a Wayne man. I thought that was the fucking best thing ever. That's your bum teeth growing in. <laughs> it's possible. It rings a bell. Um, it's uh, honestly, it's like we've written so many sketches. Even ones with Bernstein, sometimes where people will go. Um, oh, I love that sketch, and we'll be like, can't remember that one, and it's one feet. It happens a lot, walking down the street, and somebody will shout something for a sketch, yeah. and I'll be like, what did that mean? What's that guy, what's that guy wanting? You know uh, what I mean? Forgetting that it's a thing. It is amazing, but so you, I mean, you, you and Ian wrote quite a lot of stuff for Chewing the Fat. Uh, we didn't write anything for the first series, we get brought in in the second series. Right, and uh, what, 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 I love hearing this stuff, right? But what, we get drafted, do we? Tell us the story He's about you, you and Ian and Greg and uh, Ford. What, what was it like? Was there any heat there at first? Well, we were BBC boys. We were BBC mm-hmm. boys. We were in at the BBC, and uh, True and the Fat was made by an indie, the comedy unit. And so that was our first work that we did for the comedy unit. They got us well. They heard that we were turning in a power of work over at the BBC for Velvet Cabaret, and they were like, let's give these boys a, a shot at True and the Fat. Um, and we came in we got a lot of work on the go right away and we didn't have a we had merry a initially we had merry a relationship with Camden Bar we were kind of brought in 
and the the they were like, we need more sketches for Karen. Everybody's writing sketches for the guys, but we need more sketches for Karen. So can you get us in? And so that was how we, we ended up writing like a taxi controller character for for Karen and a teacher character. Um, Karen oh did. man, you've no idea the teacher the teacher character was superb, man. Cheers, I man. I used to do impersonations of that as I went for like my moss pals and stuff like that. <laughs> that was like honestly, that's why did a school teacher, did a school teacher. I loved that honestly. Well, we did them, and then we, and then we just, kept, and then we just kept cracking on, and then uh, the big man, and um, just oh, the big man, such a great character as well. Then a bunch of stuff, uh, and I was good, and then you know, and Ford, Ford and Greg were, and what was brilliant about it was how good Ford and Greg and Karen were. It was like see, see, being as, and this is knee harm to like the previous people we've written for our end because they were also good, but Ford and Greg and Karen were different class. So you, you would put a sketch in. Um, and you, it was a sketch you would like, and they would take it and they would make it even better, even funnier. You know what I mean? Because of how funny they were at performing it. So it was a pure treat. It was exciting writing for Chewing the Fat, and obviously because Chewing the Fat was absolutely fucking massive as well. You know what I mean? It was a massive hit. You um, think about it, man. It was like part of so much part of the way folk in Scotland spoke. It was like everything came for like Chewing the Fat at the point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and gone in all day that and everything. I mean, it must have been your. It paid you say you're you're a young boy and all that and folk are bringing out agency you and fat and all like, Are you going? I I I, I don't know. I don't know. I, well, this is a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, it's kind of fucking. Before chewing the fat, it was like what he's talking about. I wrote that. I well, this is a thing. It was like before chewing the fat, it was like you know you would get people going. Oh, would you do? Would you do? And I'd be like, I'm a writer and all that. Oh, would you write? And then you'd be like, uh, I write. I, I wrote a wee bit for this thing and a wee bit for that, and they'd be like, Oh, did you? I. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing. But then you were suddenly able to go, you know, are you, I'm a writer. Or are you? Have you done anything I've heard they? You'd be like, too fucking right, mate. But I'm fucking chewing the fat. <laughs> <laughs> so you and Ian sort of are like, are like Vince Russo. And he's so oh, right. Kinda. <clears throat> and then he's want to be out on the screen. You want to get there. Um, well, I thought you were meaning because we wrote for the BBC and then the comedy unit kind of brought us over poached us and brought us over, paid us better money. And then we did chewing the fat. Oh, so I don't, oh, sorry. So at this point you were writing for the BBC solely, no, no, but then... No, no, no. Let me say, like, we, we had no real desire to perform on telly. And I would I would even say I still have very little desire to perform on telly as well. I do it because... I do it now because, like, it makes sense. It makes money. I get asked to do it. I, I, I write my own stuff and all that. But I, would, I still consider myself a writer. I don't consider myself a performer at all, an actor at all. I consider myself a writer. So it's no that was never like it was never like a dream to break out and do that. See, I think Vince Russo was like, I want to be in the ring up front and people to see me, but it was never that for me. It was just put it this way, that's how you make the money, as if it's your own show and you're in it yourself, you know what I mean? Ah. Uh, because writers make nothing. Right, right. Okay. And so how does Burniston come about? Burniston came about. Burniston came about because we are originally a radio thing, and it was a radio thing, and it was originally supposed to be about. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was an English documentary maker coming to a Scottish tune to do a documentary about a Scottish tune, and then we started writing like the funniest characters that he met and all that, and then it started to develop. And he, well, let's just make it. Um, and I'm pretty sure we recorded that. That radio pilot exists somewhere where it's like, 
you completely it's almost like a documentary it's completely different and it's out there somewhere I don't know where but it is is it mockumentary style? <clears throat> kinda aye wow what year is this? Um, oh man this is like 13 years ago or something 14 years ago and um, you know and it was like sketches about like the journalists talking to like guys that breed dogs, like dog owners, the guys that are dog breeders and stuff. Yeah. And it was, but it was still, it was started, it still was starting to feel like Burnison. It was still that kind of daft, like weirdo characters. Um, and then, then when I get a bit, of, we were like, let's try and change it for telly. And then we just started to move towards making it more about a sketch show, just a straight sketch show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when it became uh, Burnison. But it all kind of ha- it all seemed to happen weirdly, kind of reasonably fast. You know what I mean? I think they were looking for a new sketch show. Is at this point, are you about to join the wrestling business? Or is this, I feel as if, or is there a couple of years before that? When, pretty, when, uh, when, that? when do you first start uh, working in the in the in, in the wrestling? This predates that. What happens? This predates I'm, I'm pretty sure this predates me doing it in SWA because, because it was run about that. It was when things started to kick off for us with that. That we started. No, actually, actually, it might have. It was before Burniston that we were trying to get NWA UK Hammerlock on the telly, and that was before then we started getting. I'd get in touch with Andre Baker mm-hmm. at Hammerlock, and was like, right, let's try and get a pitch together for a telly program. Um, so that was bef- that was before Burniston happened. Uh, and so, what, so what's your initial impressions of meeting somebody in the wrestling business? Obviously, Andre Baker, the late, the late Andre Baker, who's uh, responsible for quite a lot of the, the British talent that kind of made it through the nineties, early two thousands. You've got your yeah, Johnny Mosses, um, Doug Williams was was, was trained yeah. there, um, Johnny Storm. I think even Alex was there. Jody, mm-hmm. were you? What was your impressions of turning up? Andre Baker was. I mean. You hear a lot of talk about what a kind of hard man Andre ba- Andre Baker was. You know what I mean? There's a lot of talk about, um, but he was a, he was a total gentleman uh, with us, and we were just you know we were just again just young guys, uh, and he was uh, he was a total gent and a smart guy and a kind guy, um, and but and it was weird. It was it was it was fantastic. We went we went doing an NWA UK Hammerlock show in a wee town down in England somewhere. I can't remember what the name of the town. And that was where we first kind of saw Johnny Moss um, doing his stuff. And it was the first time we got a sense of what it was like backstage at a, at a wrestling show in a wee hall in a, mm-hmm. in a wee town. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, like you know yourself, it's an incredibly addictive scene. It's like going to see the circus in it. It's like going to see circus and then you're like, man, I want to fucking run away with the circus and just Aye. live this life. You know what I mean? And you just, you just go at that right away. Um, I mean, you know, and obviously, I was never going to be involved in the wrestling scene in the ring. So, you um, had never, never any. Did you? Did it, did it let you take a bump in the ring, or were you ever that kind? It of, was never that kind of. It was never that kind of thing. No. It was very much. Right. It was very much come and see what a product is like. Right. Come and see who our workers are. At the time, it was a. Uh, it was Gary Steele. Um, it was, was Paul, he, he was NW champion at one he point. Was champ, he, he was a champ. Was it was Gary Steele. It was Paul Volt. Paul Volt. It was Johnny Moss. It was Nikita. Nikita, that's right. Who uh, ended up going on to be uh, 
what was her name in there again and, and Winter, is it? Was it Winter her name was? I can't even remember. What was what was Nikita's name in WWE again? Was it Nikita? Was Aye. it Nikita? Maybe it was Nikita in WWE. I can't remember. Um, but it was all them. And <clears throat> so it was about looking at them and, you know, trying to work that into the pitch and, and work, you know, just kind of work with the guys. And... Katariana. Uh, Katie Lee Burchill. Katie Lee Burchill. Mm-hmm. Aye. aye. So, aye, so, so, you know, so it was, it was great. And it was good. Aye, and a tag team, which was called Seek and Destroy as well. Oh, um, who was Seek and Destroy again? Can't remember. I can't remember. What? So, um, so what happens? How does? How do you get involved in SWA? Does Conscience, who was at NW Hammerlock at the time, does he? Do you meet him down at Hammerlock, and he tells you, "Look, I'm, um, in the, this, the process of creating a wrestling company in no. Scotland." Or right, this was a, a few years later, and this was right. just me, and this was just purely for going. Initially, I went, maybe I'll start a wrestling promotion. And then I had a Google, and then I was like, oh man, there is a wrestling promotion, and it's no Kenny Morrison, were you ever exposed to him? No, but he was a name that was always, so I'll be honest, it's a shit interview, but it was, it was, it was somebody that was always getting slagged off by people. <laughs> you know, this is all I know, and I don't know anything about the guy, and I'm no doing the guy doing, because I don't know any details about it, but I remember when I, when I first turned up on the scene in SWA, it was like people were always, stuff had went down, and I have no idea what that stuff was. But there was a lot of people being like, I fucking am. am. He, he nearly fucked everything up or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, at that, that time, the, the wrestling business was very, it wasn't that big. One to know there was probably about like 20 names in total, and that's including trainees and people Aye. that already wrestle already and stuff like that. And, and as Ken, we know, as we know, you hear these stories and you don't know who's telling the truth or, or who's, you know what so I mean? So there was Scottish Championship Wrestling, and it was run by a guy who. Never had any experience in wrestling before, but he gave it a bash and he promoted in uh, Greenock, uh, uh, promoted in Linwood, where um, Drew Galloway made his, his debut. And then I think there was, it didn't draw much, but uh, you know yourself, eventually, Conscience, who was uh, wrestling in Hammerlock at the time, and I think he'd even been to, he hadn't been to OVW at that point, but anyway, he, Conscience took her to the kind of Scottish, the Scottish Wrestling Alliance, he changed it from SCW to SWA. So I, I remember, what, what was your impersonations of bumping into a young Grant and Barr? Because I have this, um, I have this vivid memory of I'm meeting you f- for the first time. I think it's maybe 04, 05. Um, we've got Titantron videos, we've got cameras walking about. I meet you and I actually think, when I first met you, I thought you were a right quiet guy. And I actually thought you were maybe a wee bit nervous backstage at a wrestling. I was nervous as well, but I, I thought you were quite nervous as well when I when I first met you. I think it was mere. I was always I was always with SWA trying to I was always keeping my mouth shut, was mere what it was. You know what I mean? I wasn't wanting to be one of my main things that I always had in my head with the SWA stuff was that I didn't want to be giving people any false impressions about what might happen. I mean, the whole objective with being at SWA was was still working towards, let's see if we can get some wrestling back on telly again. It was still with that, but it was trying to do it a different way. With NWA UK Hammerlock, people would get their hopes up. You know what I mean? One of the, the, the most important lessons you can learn about telly is never get your fucking hopes up <laughs> until the contract. Am I right? You know what oh, I mean? absolutely. I'm still learning it, to be honest with you. I'm still trying and, to adapt to that. Until you get a contract signed, until, you're, until it's first day of shooting and you're stoning there. Mm-hmm. Don't get your hopes up. Um, and at, at, at Hammerlock, people would go with their hopes up. 
you know what I mean? And then when you know when things didn't happen, you feel bad about that, you know what I mean? And I remember when I went to SWE, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be there, I'm gonna film stuff, I'm gonna shut up. I'm mainly gonna kinda talk to conscience. Um I'm mainly gonna talk to conscience and mainly gonna talk I mean, who who did I who did I really have a relationship with? Um, it was mainly conscience and had a good relationship with big Adam Shame, obviously big Shamer mm -hmm. and and Canyon and and many other people that were the trainers. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I personally do on MSN. I can remember. Well, probably MSN as a wee guy, man. I I totally remember that, and I can remember. I can't remember what it was, but there's something was something that you had wrote or been involved in was on the telling. I remember like telling my family like. And the credits came up, and it came up Robert Florence. I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. He comes Aye. to wrestling. He's, he's involved in wrestling. I know that guy for telling. I know him. Yeah, yeah. So Robert that Florence. was. And I remember seeing yous, and yous really did look like we guys. He's really looked like he was so young. You know what I mean? He's were he's were young though, right? Oh, man, I was 14, 15 year old, man. That's I mean, totally... and he's really looked like we guys, and it was. And sometimes you were wrestling people that looked kind of like men. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We get battered, man. We used to get battered, <laughs> definitely. And I yeah. didn't know the difference between a fucking wrist lock and a fucking wrist watch. It was bananas. But it was amazing, you think, because when you look back at the days now, when I think about SWA now, it's, you saw everybody come through the doors, really. You know what I mean? Like, all the people that are involved in the scene now, even like people like Lionheart and Drew, you saw them all, Wolfgang, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was mental, right? Because, you know, so SWA... We it, right, so in British wrestling shows at the time it was a matter of six matches, you know, tag match, maybe a rumble at the end. But SWA conscious had big ideas, didn't he? If you went to Bell's Hill for a wrestling show, John, it was basically like the show would. St I mean, there could it was be like fucking okay, SummerSlam. What's that? It was like SummerSlam. It was like <laughs> me. There was like John. You have no idea. Like the lights went out and then they come back on and then like. There was uh, there was factions who started after the show. It was like Monday Night Raw. They tried to make it like Raw, do you know what I mean? And there was like storylines that went for like March and then the next show would be in the middle of July and like, I think the fans were, sorry, the promoter was expected, expected the fans to know the, the, the storylines <laughs> when it was a bit mental when it. I remember my brother going to a show going, what the fuck is all this about? It was like that, wasn't it? Did you have any involvement with that? Peter, Peter Disney get... The, the credit he deserves for some of that stuff Be because you know that period that period he he was gaining pe the value for money he was gaining people who paid to go into their shows was outrageous I thought you know what I mean it's like you say they were big big long shows they were stacked full of matches there was promos coffins there was storylines aye storylines developing throughout the night you know what I mean? Right. Um, there was spectacle as well. Like he was, he, he was, you know, he really pushed himself as like a, like a star attraction. You know what I mean? And you, you know, you felt that in the way it was all presented. You know what I mean? And and there was, there you was a great gimmick, mate. Yeah, the great gimmick. There was good matches as well. And there was like, you know, there was some, there was some real high points. You know what I mean? There was low points and all, obviously, because there was a lot of very kind of green guys out there. You know what I mean? But, but there was still. Everything was presented in the right way, you know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, I think that, that period, he, put, he probably deserves more credit than he gets, I think, in the, in the story of kind of Scottish wrestling and where, where Scottish wrestling went, you know what I mean? Because nobody was going to their shows and no coming back. 
because aye. you know they, they, he had returning people are coming back uh, month after month to see these shows because they were getting amazing value for money um, and they were having a fucking and I remember because I was there with a camera I was filming it and our people were having a fucking the crowd were loving it because the there, was, there was a draw man there was some shows four or five hundred folk and mm-hmm. and uh, and Matt Busby centered in in Bells Hill and sure remember I told you when we'd fly our folk with us big conscience and sure the guy in the street went big chance of wrestling night big chance of <laughs> fucking bit you know what I mean folk Aye. knew know who he was they followed it and they and they came every month um, also but also it wasn't like people came because oh it'll be a nice thing to do with the Waynes and then they would just sit bored and sit in their you know sitting their horns watching it people were in it people were mm-hmm. because they were trying things. Like they were constantly trying things. They were like, "Well, let's stick up a cage. We'll have a cage match. Let's have a casket match. Let's have you know what I mean." And there was like people blading, and there was there was all sorts. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was all sorts happening. Aye. I mean, well, blading. I remember the time. I don't know if you were. Shame was breaking his leg, not it. <laughs> oh, that was incredible. We need to get Adam Shame on the show, man. I actually feel bad that he's not been on us. Yet. He, I don't. You need, need to get him on it. We need to get him on. So, Burniston. When when so two thousand and ten. Burniston is is piloted. Is that right? Two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. Aye. When I was twenty stone. Right. That's another thing as well. That's you were really and and you you were a chubby man um, and you've managed to 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 keep keep that weight down. You are now like a skinny guy. And it says on Wikipedia, Robert Flaunce is vegan. You you're not fucking vegan. No, I was vegan for a month and then (laughs) the vegan mob. The, the vegan mob were, are so extreme and desperate. They were like, right, he's been vegan for a month. We're claiming him. He's ours now. Aye. Um, anyway, don't no, make that. What about, because I'm, I'm forgetting that you, when, 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 when I first started hanging about with you, and folk knew you for this video guiding. A video guiding, aye. Aye, video, video, video guiding, video guiding. <laughs> the guy that you done it with, remember, he, he blocked me. He's blocked me on Twitter. I don't know. Talk about that. I've no idea. I don't remember who he is, what he's called. I've no idea why he blocked me, but I blocked him right away. What about beef? I've no idea where that beef came from. I have no idea. Why does he not like me? Maybe he just doesn't like you. I don't know. I don't know. Nah, he, does, he doesn't this. like me. That's he doesn't like me. Maybe care. he just doesn't like you. I don't even know. I'm just even bothered. Anyway, enough. Fido Gaden, uh, Charlie Brooker's screen white. I'm just reading stuff. I have bonus in there. Uh, would you call it uh, Wikipedia? <laughs> well, I so obviously talk- I have, you know, I have a huge history of doing video game related stuff mm-hmm. you know what i mean on telly and stuff like that which has always been always been good uh, when did you meet frankie boyle <laughs> <laughs> when did i meet frankie boyle that's a good question i was working <clears throat> when i was working on velvet cabaret or it might have been velvet soup actually the telly program uh, I had a mate called Alan Miller who was a script editor on that show who's one of the funniest guys I've ever known uh, he's from Edinburgh he was a stand-up and he was like one of the most mental stand-ups I'd ever seen he was hilarious uh, and he knew Frankie for the stand-up scene and he was like you need to meet Frankie and in fact we kind of go together to kind of let's see if we can write some stuff and all that and if you've he's sitting in a room I think we went up to was it maybe Alan Miller's flat and Frankie came up uh, and then we were sitting like flinging ideas about it, and Frankie was just fucking and it was like I don't know, it was like inviting a inviting a a ninja and a black belt, a comedy black belt into the room, you know what I mean? Um and that was kind of when when we 
we all first met him, kind of. And then I kind of, like, stayed in touch with Frankie. <clears throat> um, ended up being, you know, being good pals and, like, still really good pals to this day. Obviously, I'd trammed all nights with him and stuff like that. And, um, and he's always been good. He's a very generous guy, Frankie. He's a very, like, he looks out for... There's a lot of guys who get big and then forget other mates. Like, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And Frankie was a guy who got big and never forgot all his mates, you know what I mean? Was always uh, checking up on them, always helping them out, um, always, like, flinging about a bit of work their way, if he could. Um, always, like, you know, just just a, just a really, really generous guy who's always been, like, just a, just a good guy, you know what I mean? Memories are... No, many good Alley. guys in this game. Ah, you're right, you're right. Um, memories of Tiger Alley sing? Never worked with him. Never worked with him. Oh, well, right, ship, ships airport. are passing the night. Right, ships are I, passing the night. She's here, right, okay. Um, <clears throat> so, Burniston starts. You're on the screen. How do you adapt to the the celebrity lifestyle? You've went for being uh, a backstage personality, you're put front and foremost uh, in front of the cameras. You, How do you cope? Are you, is, is there heat for other guys in comedy that you're on the telly? Well, there, 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 you would you would see it. I remember there was like a forum called the Scottish Comedy Forum or something, and it was where all stand-ups would all post. And I remember there you would see loads of people sniding about... Was it poisonous, that? I can imagine that being poisonous. Aye, basically any programme that go on telly was getting fucking pelters. Um, and I remember that. And also we weren't stand-ups either, so how dare we? Just mm -hmm. uh, just go on telly. Um, so I remember there, there was a wee bit of that. But no, I mean, we knew... We'd been about for a long time and we knew a lot of people and I think most people were kind of pleased for us for getting the show. But also, um, you know, it's a... You, you, you look back, it feels different looking back on it. But the, the first series didn't do that well. You know what I mean? It did, it did well enough. It did well enough to continue on it, but it's not like it was a big, massive hit. It wasn't like mm -hmm. chewing the, it wasn't doing chewing the fat ratings. You know aye. what I mean? It wasn't popping their ratings. It was, um, it was aye, did all right. Aye, the numbers are looking pretty good. <clears throat> there was still plenty of people that weren't watching it. It's not like you were only walking about and hearing people hitting out with Burniston Park on the street or anything. And that's all happened over time. Over time, Burniston's became big. Aye. But at the time, the first series came on, it was kind of like, oh, Will we get a second series? Don't even know if we'll get a second series. It's not like so there wasn't a huge adjustment to make. It's no, you know what I mean. So do you, do you think you never really got the chance to enjoy it? If you know what I mean, because there always was that pressure. I think possibly was there a turning point when you started to do to do live shows and you were selling them out and managing to take it to, across the country and 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 you go to shows and everybody knows the gags, everybody knows what's coming. You know the well, aye. The only sad thing I would say about Burniston, the only regret maybe about Burniston is that we wrapped it up after the third series. Aye. Because kind of the BBC kind of says to, says to us, look, boys, don't know how much further we can really take this. We kind of get three series and they'd all done pretty well and we were really happy with the third series and we kind of felt we'd, um, we felt we'd been doing well with it. And then we were like, right, let's wrap it up here. And Aye. Actually, Burniston get bigger after that. It get bigger after that. If we if we, if we, if we had been as popular at the time mm -hmm. as we are now or have been over the past few years, we probably would have kept going. You know right. what I mean? We probably would have done Series 4, Series 5, Series 6. 
But at that time, after the N3 series, it hadn't really caught on in a massively big way. Weirdly, it was kind of, you know, it caught on well enough. But it's been since then, since Facebook and since YouTube and people swapping them about and all that and things going viral and all that and, you know, our specials have done well when when we've done a wee special here and there. Obviously, the dream is we'd still love to do Hogmanay, you know what I mean? Uh, we'd do Burnless and Hogmanay every year in a heartbeat, you know what I mean? But what, what, So what is the plans for you? I know you've, you, 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 you had the, 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 the Sunny, which I was just reading up about then, which uh, you, I mean, that was, I've spoken about this before. Well, wait, let's, that... let's save this for part two because right. we, could, we could really go in on that one. Aye. Because so we, we, we were both about... in that. We were based in that, so that's a good one. Eh? We can talk about what we can do is we can talk about the we can talk about the sunny. We can talk about the Scots. We can talk about what else we in again. Um, uh, two doors in, down. Uh, oh no, it was you. It was in two doors down. Uh, <laughs> but uh, aye, we can talk about all that stuff coming. Any own heart rub stories before we go? Uh, no, I mean Owen. I mean Owen was a joker. Everybody knew Owen was a right. Uh, Joker, we stayed far away from Owen because we knew we'd be a soft target for him. You know what I mean, two kind of naive boys. So I think would be what would be the best idea to carry on this for our Patreon stuff like that. We've we've had a wee bit of shoot interview series here, but uh, me and you were speaking earlier the day about the next part of this uh, interview series, and we couldn't get talking about the sunny. We couldn't get talking about everything else wrestling mm-hmm. um, on a flight, a Captain Gradle flight. Um, yeah. Where so what we'll do is we'll, we'll, I'll get you. In the cockpit, you can be my first officer. I'm obviously the captain. We um, we'll get a flight on the go. We'll fly from. Where can we fly from? Why don't we go and visit? Um, why don't we go and visit my father-in-law in Azerbaijan? Tell you. So could you, I mean, could you fly to Baku, in uh, Azerbaijan? Oh, I can go to Baku. Oh, I'll be. We're on our way to the Baku. We can do that. Absolutely no bother at all. I've got Baku Airport. Um, there is a few landing strips there, so. Um, we'll, we'll jump on. I don't think I'll take my 747. I'll probably take a, just a bit. Of a, I'll probably take the A320 uh, 200. So we'll get that on the go. Uh, John, you're very much welcome to come and join the flight. And everybody else that's part of the Patreon can be part of the the, 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 the flight. And we'll take off and we'll, we'll we'll get in touch with the fans and have a wee bit of a live stream. You want to do that? That'll be amazing. That'll be amazing. Getting the fans input as well. And, you know, and just having one of the wild plane journeys. You know what I mean? Peeing on the stewardess's leg and all that. Plane ride for hell. Exactly. Plane That's what we'll call it. That's what we'll call it. Plane Hill. We'll call it. Plane ride for Bell's Hill. Audio Frontier. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.